And welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Liz. And I'm Holly. And we'll jump straight in with Bookish Buzz. Yay! Now, <laughs> ah, sorry, um, I'm excited. The first one, it is exciting time. Oh, um, but the first one isn't very exciting. Have, yeah, sorry. It yeah, it's not very exciting. I, I sometimes <laughs> don't have the, the, the best timing on things, so my apologies. <laughs> It's fine. Um, the first one is really sad, and kind of especially everyone potentially worldwide, not just the UK, uh, kind of felt the loss. And that's unfortunately that obviously um, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II did pass away this month, um, not so long ago, and she had a funeral last week. So that was a very sad time, not only for for England, for the UK, but for the world. Um, and she will be greatly missed. Absolutely, I know. You know we. You know, the United States and the UK have such a, a strong relationship together. And, you know, they're the best friends of the world, I guess. Um, but yeah, your, your pal Biden came came down to see us. Remember? See, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, Joe. <laughs> and, and, and I will say, you know, we we a lot of people here in, in America ha- do have a fascination with with the, the royal family. And just just it's just it's kind of just fun to 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 watch their lives um but you know when she passed i remember telling telling my husband i'm like you know like so many people i don't know a world without her um you know she's you know she was on the throne for you know 70 years it's like it's like oh my gosh like what is a world without her and so you know here we we flew our our flags at at half staff and in in honor and um and in remembrance of her and our you know standing in solidarity with the you know with the feelings and the loss of our you know our friends in the UK so uh we we flew our flags low uh, from the time she passed until her memorial service on Monday um yeah did you were you able to to watch any of it because i know uh, yeah so we had um we were off on monday um because they declared it a bank holiday so that everyone could kind of pay their respects so i watched quite a lot of the funeral um and it was very, really moving i think mm. the one time when i actually did cry a little bit was when i saw king charles the second uh, king charles the third tear up when they were singing god save the king and i was like that's it oh. <laughs> my eyes started I mean, seeing your, your new monarch cry is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Obviously, it's not just we've lost our queen. He's lost his mother. He's uh, lost, and he only lost his father 18 months ago. I know. So he became an orphan in 18 months, and suddenly he had to take the throne. And in between her death and her funeral, he he's had so many duties to do. He's had to go around the UK to services. So he had no time to grieve, which is really sad. Um I was just, yeah, it was, it was a very strange time. Yeah. Um, I remember it, the strangest thing is thinking back that only three months ago in June, I remember watching the Jubilee celebrations. Oh yeah. For 70 years. Uh-huh. And they were amazing. Like seeing all the, all the planes going over. Um, I remember standing out in the garden, hoping to see some coming over our way. I saw one helicopter from, from it. Okay. Well, it wasn't a complete loss then. You saw something. But I saw it all on the TV and that was really nice and kind of seeing her on the balcony. And one thing that was amazing, literally two days before she passed away, she had just sworn in our, our most recent uh, prime minister, literally two days before she died. Oh, wow. So she was working up until her death. That's just insane. I mean, that's 
it's an inspiration. It's amazing that this this woman went to extreme lengths to serve her country mm-hmm. for so long. Yeah, and we will never see somebody reign on the on the, the throne again for seventy years. Oh, absolutely not. You know, and I only I would only even be able to fathom that if there was some type of tragedy that struck. Um, but yeah, I can't. That's probably a once in a forever situation. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I wanted like I'm probably gonna have to go watch go back and watch clips. Um, you know, her coverage of her funeral here for my for my t- time zone was like from 2:30 a.m. until 6 a.m. Um, so <laughs> I was oh, so sleeping yeah. during the live news coverage of it. But I mean, we did have that would the make sense, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, we did cover it. I mean, it was live coverage on yeah. a, on a lot of our of our uh, t- you know TV our news channels and things. So um, because so many people are you know, they want to watch it and, mm. um, are just invested in, in that. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, definitely like we had, yeah, we had very kind of the whole country has had a big kind of uh, changes happening during the time. So obviously we, um, our country went into national mourning for, for that week, um, or that 10 days, 12 days. And there were things like on BBC, they had to cancel all their comedy shows. Um, and they had different, they had a lot of viewings, obviously a lot of programs about the Queen. Um, it's the same with radio stations. Radio stations had set broadcasts. Um, it's just a shock because I remember seeing it come through on my phone. I looked at my phone because earlier that day it had said that um, the Queen had been told to stay at Balmoral um, and that the doctors were concerned about her health. And then some of her family were flying over to see her. I was thinking, okay, that's not good because we've never heard them say the doctors are concerned. Mm-hmm. We've only just said, oh, she's just being looked after by doctors because just to be safe kind of thing. And then literally about four hours later, that, that's when they announced the news that she was gone. It's just like, it was so hard to, to take in and to like really believe that. It's like, yeah, it was so quick. It, it, and it came out of nowhere. Cause like you said, like yeah. I remember seeing posts, um, Cause on like, I don't like to watch the news. The news kind of like depresses me. So I just follow, <laughs> um, news sites on social media. Yeah. And I remember just kind of scrolling through social media, seeing the post of, you know, the queen is under medical care and, and this and that. And I'm like, Oh, and then like literally the very next post is she's passed. And I'm like, well, wait, what? Yeah, it, it just, it happened hours. so quick and it was just, it, I think that was, had no, yeah, no notice. I think that was part of the shock of it was we, you know, she hadn't been sick for like a long time. It was just, but I mean, man, what a you, life, what yeah. a long oh. life. I mean, you read about some of the things, where, where she went, some of the places she went to and, and all the stories that come out in the news and it's amazing mm-hmm. what she's done and, and where she's been and the fact that she took, she had to take over suddenly. She was, um, so I read about how she became queen because of the fact that her father died very suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had just started a, a tour of Africa. She was in Kenya. She was about two days into it. Got a call from, from the, I don't know, the royal palaces or wherever, um, saying that her, her father passed away. So she had to then go back. Um, and yeah, it's just, 
And she was, yeah, from 25 years old being queen. And can you imagine that being 25? Your dad is fine. You leave Mm -hmm. to do this trip in another country just to be called and said, hey, sorry to tell you, your father's passed away. You're now queen and you need to come home. Yeah. At 25, like, I'm a little older than that right now. And I'd be like, excuse me? I mean, let's face it, she hasn't had an easy year this year because she had, obviously, the scandal of Prince Andrew, so that must be an absolute humiliation. Yeah. Um, And then, obviously, Prince Harry and Uh and Meghan, um, which I'm guessing is a bit of a sore spot for her (laughs) because he was pretty much her favorite grandson for all the years. But that's also probably, you know, you also think about Charles, you know, uh, or King Charles now, um, and I I don't, like, uh, whatever king charles the third i don't want to like say anything that's like you know i want to be i want to be proper and appropriate um but you know you talked about how hard it's been for him too because you know within the last two years he's lost his father he has now lost his mother and he has you know those issues with his sons you know when yeah. you know harry left the uk and came to the united states and you know there's there's some drama there and so that's got to be hard too that his, his that his children are are apart and like and, you know and there's grandkids involved now. Exactly. And then his brother ends up to be some sort of pedophile. Exactly. So there's a, there, you know, yes. poor guy. Like, But you know what? I think Charles is going to do an amazing job of being king because, if anything, he is the most qualified because he's been training to do this since he was born, basically. He's yeah. been heir to the throne since he was, I think they said, three years old. Oh, wow. So he's been, he's been the longest person in training. He's been waiting for this for <laughs> like 50 years. And I know um, some people have actually even wondered if he was even going to have the opportunity to be king because, we did. yeah, because it's like, we're like, we're pretty sure Queen Elizabeth is going to literally live forever. Um, like the world is going to explode and Queen Elizabeth will still be there. <laughs> like, um, so I think that's part of why it was such, such a shock as well is not only was it so quick, but that, you know, we're just like, she's just, she literally will be there at the end of time. Still sitting, yeah. sitting there. Um, being amazing. So, but yeah, because he's well, he's broken records himself. He's the longest. He was the longest serving heir apparent, and now he's the oldest person to assume the, the British throne. Oh, so, he's seventy three. I know. So, I mean, I mean, if he lives as long as his mother did, you know, he has a good twenty years to be king. That's also another strange thing. Is what that's what I I was thinking after she passed is that. We're going to see three monarchs in our lifetime, most likely. Yeah. Which yep. is crazy. We will. You know, and it's, it, yeah. How old is um, Prince William? I think he's about 40. Okay. So, again, we're going to have that same issue. If, if he lives another 20 years, he Prince William will be 60 when he takes on the throne. Yeah. So, so we're definitely looking at it at a, an era now of – older older monarchs but which you know i i you know you compare and i know that you have like the prime minister who is you know kind of more of like the the parliamentary kind of uh laws kind of thing um but you know we have in the united states obviously we have the president of the united states and you know, it, it's very, very uncommon to have a president. You know, you have to be at least 30, I think it's 32, 
really? Yeah, it's like there's an age limit that you have to be in order to run for president. Um, so we would never have a 25-year-old president. <laughs> we would never have a 30-year-old president, um, which is why, you know, a lot of our presidents that we see tend to be older. Um, yeah. You know, it was, you know, Barack Obama was a little bit younger, like when he, yeah. you know, was president, he had two girls in, in, in school, you know, like, like they hadn't graduated high school yet. And then the same thing with Bill Clinton, you know, his, his daughter was still in school. So they've, it, it's just rare that we have presidents even that young to have kids and that are still in school, uh, living in the white house. Um, but, but yeah, so here's, here's trivia. I've just Googled this. Uh, okay. But I wonder if you know this, who is the youngest, um, president who was the, who was the youngest president to come to be inaugurated what do you reckon what do you reckon oh my god there's been like <laughs> 47 or so presidents um and i don't know i mean it could be somebody so like off the beaten path like you know it's obsolete it's, it's not it's one of the ones that even i know so. okay so then it's, it's got to be one of the ones that i just mentioned um it's got to be either barack or, or bill clinton i I want to say it's Barack Obama. It wasn't? No, it's JFK. Oh, yeah. 43. That's right. And we all know that the oldest one is is Biden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot about JFK. (laughs) JFK. I mean, I don't know he was like only in the office for what, three years, but still. Yeah, and and I wasn't alive. <laughs> to my credit, I wasn't alive when he was president. So, um, and 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 history and politics aren't my thing. So, um, you know, add that to my list. Math is not my thing. History and politics aren't my thing. So I have, okay. yeah. At one, one at one point, we will eventually determine what my thing is, but it's not those things. It's, it's clearly fancy. <laughs> uh, uh, clearly, I totally live in my own world, make up my own laws, have my own rulers, and it's fan freaking tastic because I don't have the That's stress funny. of the world. Um, all right. Well, um, our, you know, of course, our thoughts continue to go out to the royal family, and as they continue to grieve and. Um, I'm excited to see and watch and, and listen to to your stories to see how the UK continues to transition into this new this new era. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing King Charles on on our notes now. Uh, yeah, he's got, he's got kind of like biggish ears. So it's going to be a shrink <laughs> down the ears. That's hilarious. But yeah, I will say like the first pictures of him that I saw as king, I'm like, huh. That, that's you know not that it was weird or anything but it was weird because it's like i've never seen him like that like that just seems awkward i'm gonna have to take some time to get used to this um but i i hope that he you know does well and you know makes his mother's legacy you know d- does proud of of what she what she accomplished while she was um while she was queen so long live the king that's right Okay, so um, so that's 15 minutes of our show right there. So 
Oops. Yeah, it's okay. She was well worth it. She she was on the throne for 70 years. We can give her 15 minutes. That's true. I mean, from the UK over to America. Right. Hey, what's going on in America? So um, we are just wrapping up our band book week, which is a, a big week that we have every year, uh, kind of driven and sponsored by the American Library Associ- Association. But we, you know, we've talked about censorship and book banning on our show before. There's been a lot in the news over the last year uh, about, um, you know, not necessarily libraries, but, you know, people wanting to pull books off library shelves, pull books out of schools, preventing people from reading things just because they don't agree with what the topic is. Um, and, and it's continuing to go up. So there's been a lot of data that is shared during this week and a lot of support for banned books. And, um, you know, and it, it just, it just reminds you that, you know, it's okay to be different and to have different opinions and believe in different things. Like that's what makes our world the melting pot that it is, is that we're not all the same. We all believe differently, but you know, this is really trying to support the idea that just because your beliefs are different doesn't mean that you should have the right to dictate what someone else can and can't read. No, I've been keep, I've been seeing a lot about the the band book week on Instagram, and it's just shocking the amount of books that are banned over in in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we have as many over here, or at least not that's really publicized. And I was reading some of the stats, like you'd think it was some of like the higher up governments. It's not always that the case. Sometimes it's parents and and teachers, and it's just like, who are you to dictate what your child should learn? Mm-hmm. I mean. You need to let your child have a an open, kind of a flexible education. Yeah. And I, be, the only thing I believe in it is I believe some books do have a kind of an age limit. Like some, yes. If they if they are graphical, then that yes, there are certain ages which you shouldn't really expose them to to certain books like Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Traumatize um, them. Yeah, exactly. But other than that, they should be able to read whatever they want to. Yeah. And they should like you should be able to show them whatever books that they want to except for any terrorism or extremist books. Right. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think this all, it also comes down to like, you know, if, if so, okay. So in the school year, the 20, I don't, the 2020, 2022 school year. So last school year. So for mm-hmm. in the United States, so basically that runs typically from the end of like, it, it, it varies depending on the state that you live in. But on average that runs from about August, September to May, June. That's our school year. Um, there, it, there was approximately 2,100 books that were challenged during the school year last year. And a lot of them do come from parents, um, religious organizations, community organizations that want to pull these books out of schools. Here's the thing. You're talking about schools. As a parent... I have two kids in school. As a parent, I would simply monitor what they're reading. If I had very strong beliefs about what I wanted my kids to read and not to read, I would just monitor what they're checking out from the library. But I would also talk to my kids. If they're reading a, you know, um, 
a more controversial book. Like, So say they're reading To Kill a Mockingbird in school. That is a book that is commonly challenged and banned. I taught that book to students. When I was a classroom teacher, I taught To Kill a Mockingbird. I loved teaching that book. Yes, there are some some issues that arise in it. There's, you know, there's racism. There's all sorts of stuff. But thankfully, I never had any parents complain, wow. say they didn't want their kid reading it. Part of it, I would like to think, is how I approached the book with them, how I taught them, how the <laughs> like because because you're a good teacher. <laughs> well, thank you. But it's it's you can't erase that time period from our history. That time period To Kill a Mockingbird is set in happened. And if people want to pretend it didn't happen, then they're lying to themselves. And it's about talking to the kids, explaining to them, this is how things were. This is where we are today. These are the challenges we're still facing and teaching them. And I really feel that when it comes to these banned books, people are scared and they don't want to have conversations with the kids that they think the kids are going, you know, it's going to influence who the kids become. Okay. It's like video games. There's always been those rumors about, you know, if the kids play shooter games, they're going to become yeah. serial killers, right? We've all heard that. Statistics show that's not true. <laughs> it's not true. So if not you, exactly. yeah, if you read a book about a serial killer, you're not going to become a serial killer from reading this book. So I don't know. I just, but we are wrapping up this week. It's been a great week. I, you know, for me who works in a school, I'm super proud of our library staff and how they handled this week. We had huge displays. We had popular band book displays for kids to, to come and look and check books out. Um, you know, we, our librarian did this great activity where she took a band book and hit it someplace on campus. And every couple, like every hour, if like, as soon as a kid found the book, they got to keep the book and it came with like a sticker and a bookmark and then the book. And so she would hide it. And then every hour throughout the day, until the book was found, she would post a picture in her Instagram stories. She would post a picture of a clue of the location. So, and then the clues became a little Aww. bit more apparent. So by the end, it was like a picture of the room number, basically like, <laughs> go get it. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so we're wrapping that week up. It's a great week. It's, it just, you know, it just sucks that we still have to have it. Do you have any many issues in your state where you are in Arizona? Um, no, not really. We every now like as a state, no, we're not your Texas, which tends to be the one where we get a, a, a <laughs> yeah. lot from. There, I don't, I don't know. We don't have a lot, and even in my years, like I've been, I've been working in education for you know twenty twenty two years. I've been in education, and honestly. Personally, I've only had one time where parents asked if their kid could read something different. One time. And then, you know, it was so long ago, I don't even remember. (laughs) Um, But I know that the the kid was upset. I remember the kid Mm -hmm. wanted to participate because, like, at that point, I'm like, okay, here's your alternate assignment, student. You're now going to go to the library every day and do this book and these assignments, and you're going to miss out on everything we're doing in class as a class. And so the kid felt punished. And I'm like, 
sad. Yeah, and so the, I don't think the parent realized what happens when when you ask a teacher for an alternate assignment. We will accommodate mm-hmm. that for sure, but the, the the student is now almost doing an independent study. Yeah. But but no, we don't really have a lot. We we have a pretty yeah, a pretty flexible understanding. Every now and then, you know, I'll have a teacher who emails me and is like, you know, a parent is concerned about this book or the story that we're reading. And typically all it becomes is a, is a, like a conversation about why we teach the book or why we teach the short story, you know, and then usually the parents are like, oh, okay, cool. And we move on. And the kid reads it. Okay. So sometimes it's just about educating um, the reason behind why we teach some of the things we teach. We don't just like yeah. randomly say, I'm going to teach <laughs> this book. And, you know, that's not that's yeah. that's not how right. it works. We have a curriculum. We have, you know, all of our sure. stuff that we we teach in the classroom is is approved by our our governing board said that says, okay, as adults, this governing board approves all of this literature. You guys can teach it without parent permission. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's banned book week. All right. On to some other bad news. Oh, I feel like I'm the bad news fairy today. <laughs> <laughs> um, this time it's another death. And this one, this one literally came in yesterday. So um, as we're speaking, it came through on Friday, the 23rd. Um, actually, funnily enough, whilst I was in the doctor's surgery, I was waiting for my appointment and it came through as breaking news. I was like, that's not true. <laughs> um, it, <laughs> it was really sad. I, I like, know. I'm waiting for my doctor and it's like, no. Um, so this, yeah, the sad news is that Hilary Mantle, um, author of the Wolf Hall trilogy and quite a few other books has sadly passed away, um, suddenly at the age of 70. So they said it was a sudden, it was sudden, but it was peaceful. So I guess mm. that's kind of the, the best you can hope for. Yeah. But I, I was reading about her yesterday and it's, she went through so much. She spent years in pain with really bad endometriosis. Oh. To the point where she, yeah, and she had to have operation after operation. She couldn't have kids. Because of it. Oh, no. So she went through so much hell. And, but her, yeah, she is an absolute genius at what she does. She's had so many kind of well wishes come through from different authors, um, and different kind of, um, figures, kind of celebrity figures and things like that. So it was really nice to see. But yeah, really, That's... really sad news for, for historical fiction. Ugh. And on the same kind of sad note, we had another death. Um, Peter Straub, who is an American novelist, uh, who writes, you know, he has plenty of his own standalone books, but then he's also collaborated with Stephen King several times um, on some works. He also passed away at the beginning of the month, um, and he was he was 79. So, um, again, the world is losing some amazing authors. It's been a month of, like, just bad news. It really has, like... We had the force, and then obviously the queen passed away, and then we had Hilary Mantle, and it's yeah, it's been a month of sad news. We just can we have a can we have next show not having to announce any deaths? Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, let's hope because our next show is only two weeks away, so let's hope we can make it two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> two weeks I know. But it has it. It's been you know, and I. And I'm sure there's there's others too, but it's just like it's just it's it's sad mm. when we have this this much news like sad news to talk about. Yeah. So. So okay, right. End of the sad news. 
That's uh, right. That I'd use. On to so awards. On to awards. So obviously this kind of September, October is always awards season, which is always exciting because usually we get to look at these short lists and long lists and go, don't know any of those. I haven't read any of these books. <laughs> Never. Uh, and of course, <laughs> yeah, of course um, this is one that matches the bill exactly. So we've now had the Booker Prize shortlist. Um, that was announced on September the 14th. So they've now got the shortlist of a total of five um, books, five books, six books. Six books, yeah. Um, and the um, final prize is going to be announced on the 17th of October. Now, the only author that I actually recognise from this list is Elizabeth Strout. And not because I've read any of hers, just because I randomly heard about her <laughs> um, somewhere. But I don't really know any other ones. Did you, do you recognise any of the ones on the list of six? So we've got Glory by No Violet Blur Wile. I'm sorry if I completely murdered that. Um, Small Things Like These by Claire Keegan. The Trees by Percival Everett. The Seven Moons of Marley Almeida by Shehan Karanatilaka. Good uh, job on that one. <laughs> That's a hard one. Um, o. William by Elizabeth Strout and Treacle Walker by Alan Garner. Uh, so, yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't recognize any of them. Although the one with the glo- the one called Glory, I really like the the um front cover. It's like a multicolored goat. It just looks fun. <laughs> it does look fun. It looks different. Um, it does. And Seven Moons of Marley is really colorful as well. I was gonna say that's like out of the out of like just looking at them, that that's the one um that kind of sucks me into the cover. Like, it's like a geometrical, yeah. colorful mask. Because I see the teeth. Yeah, I see the eyes. And the eyes. Oh, and there's the teeth. Yeah, and so... And red nose. Yeah, it, yeah, it's almost like a clown nose. So that... The cover intrigues me. The cover, like, really kind of pulls pulls me into mm-hmm. that. Um, oh, and it says it's a, it's a funny... It's a funny satire. Set among, uh, set amid the murderous mayhem of a Sri Lankan beset by civil war. Mm. Um, and so everyone that's been shortlisted receives £2,500, or if you're American, nearly $2,900. Um, yeah, an especially bound edition of their book. And then the winner will be, will receive £50,000, or that's $58,000. That's amazing. Wow. Okay, so yeah. just based on knowing nothing about these books, <laughs> it, other than the name and looking at the cover of the book, um, I'm going with The Seven Moons. Hang on, I gotta oh, write this down because we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna talk about our, our Colleen Hoover, um, little bet that we made in a little bit so this is our next bet who's going to win the booker prize i'm going with the seven we should do like a monthly bet yeah uh oh what's like a four i mean all i know is that elizabeth strout has already won the booker prize a few years ago i hope she doesn't win again because i'm just greedy yeah (laughs) (laughs) how dare you write good books that get recognized (laughs) so greedy (laughs) let somebody else have their turn (laughs) Uh, i'm going to go for i'm going to go glory just because it's a cool game Okay. Bye. 
I'm All right. sure it's not pronounced no violet, but it's spelled no violet. But that's what it looks like. I know. I, I get that. Um, okay, I got it written down right there. Holly is going with the seven moons. Liz is going with glory. We will know on Tuesday. Who is that piece posted? Just say Liz, glory, and Holly, seven moons. Yep, it says Booker, and then it says seven moons, okay, Holly. <laughs> and, and it has glory by Liz. I will take a picture of this and post this on our Instagram later today. So everybody can see, one, how amazing my handwriting is, but two, that... We can't cheat later and say, dang it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that is the Booker Prize. What else is going on in the Bookish world? Um, okay, so to kind of split up our two prizes. So I found an interesting thing um, while doing some research, and apparently – this kind of kind of came out earlier this week, like on Wednesday, but the longest single volume book in the world has gone on sale, and apparently it is impossible to read. They're actually saying that it's more of a sculptural piece than a book. So, well, then it's not books, then, is it? Well, it technically it's is still a book. It. So, okay, oh but it's the longest. Okay, so based on what I just said, longest single volume book in the world that is impossible to read. How many pages, Liz, do you think this book is? Is it longer than the Bible? <laughs> That's not really one volume, is it? <laughs> it's longer than the Bible. Oh. Jesus. It's even longer than War and Peace. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm going to go. It's got to be in the thousands easily. So I'm going to go 5,000 pages. Oh, Uh, yeah. No. Nope. 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 Is there more? Yep. Okay. 7,000? Nope. More. More. Way more. More. 20,000. More. (laughs) It is 21,450 pages. So it is, yeah, it is, it says it's physically, and I'm getting this information from an article through, uh, on The Guardian, um, in case you kind of want to, anybody wants to go look it up. 21,450 pages, and it's basically physically impossible to read, which is why they're saying it's more of like an art work exhibit thing um but i guess the like it's yeah like i don't like how 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 big would that be it's like you just read it on the floor (laughs) like lay it out on the floor and read it like that that's the only way you could read it so it really so it really makes me want to like go to my bookshelf start pulling books off get in a calculator counting up my books and just stacking my books into one big tower to see how tall 21,000 pages would be. Um, is there a picture of it? Is it quite a big kind of book? Like is, um, front cover wise, is it quite a big front cover? It is. Um, like, it doesn't like the even. Ones that we used to read as a kids, those massive A3 ones. It A3 doesn't... doesn't make any sense to you. Here, I'm going to. So. Sorry, listeners, you're listening, so I can't, like, you know, give you a link to something. But like I said, if you go to The Guardian, um, 
uh, which is, it's a, it's an online, like, news, book news kind of thing. You, you can find it there. But Liz, you lucky thing, I am going to link it to our little notes page that we use while we do the show. Um, it doesn't even look like a book. When you look at it, it doesn't look like a book, but it is called, it's called One Piece. So the, the text was actually, um, one piece, two separate words, and it was, um, manga. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, and it was serialized in a Japanese magazine every week since 1997. So basically this guy took all of those serialized editions that were in this Japanese magazine and put them into one single volume book that equates to over 21,000 pages. So while the, the, the story is called one piece, two words, this limited edition volume is still called one piece, but they put the two words together and it's all capital letters to make it sound more like a piece of artwork versus a piece of literature. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at the picture of it and like when it's open, I don't think that's even, that would even close. That's, that is pretty much it. Yeah. That's the biggest spine I've ever seen. Okay. But here's my question. Do you read it front to back or back to front? Oh, because it's Japanese. Yeah. So it's probably back to front. So that's an interesting thought. So if anybody is planning on getting it, just remember, look to see which way you need to read it. I mean, if you've got a spare £1,640. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you, my daughter loves these type of books. She she would she would die for this. Like this would be her get – well, she's 14, so she'd be like, this would be the only thing you ever have to buy me my entire life. And then, of course, next week she'd want something else. But she would totally, totally love this. To be fair, though, I'm kind of sad that it's just like a manga that's been put together because I thought it was going to be like somebody's lifetime work kind yeah. of written out. That would have been a bit more impressive and more kind of – I mean, that is impressive. It is huge. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you could read it, if there was a way to read it, it wouldn't take as long to read as a normal book because it would have mostly images with yeah. a bit of text in it. Exactly. That would yeah. still take probably about three months to read. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Maybe, maybe four or five. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it is, it is crazy. And the fact that they're like, and, and looking at the picture of it, like on its spine where you can kind of see the pages, mm. I don't know why you wouldn't be able to read it. You know what I mean? Like I, I look at that and I'm like, I, I think you I mean, could potentially like pull the pages apart a little bit to get your, your face in there. You probably need to get a clamp to clamp the rest of them away. So you can just like, yeah. imagine holding that back, holding the rest of the book back oh, whilst you're reading that page. Yeah. That's you're definitely not picking it up though. You're <laughs> no, definitely. Um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that top picture that's in a box, isn't it? That's not, yeah, it's got to be in a box because like looking at that, then yeah, that you know, that would definitely yeah. appear to be more like the sculptural, you know, existence of it. So yeah, so kind That's of interesting. Crazy. Um, I guess it's only running fifty copies, and they sold out within the days of its release at the beginning of September. So there are fifty lucky people. I know, 
But I guess, you know, it, it like, but if you were a fan of the serialized versions and you've been reading yeah. it every week since 1997, like this is probably one of those collector items yeah. that you're like, yeah, like it, it's, it's worth it. And I'll say, let's face it. You'd want it just for the, the coffee table, like just as I'd probably make it like the prop, the prop for the coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't put it on the coffee. It would break it. It would break it. Exactly. I wonder, like, I wonder how much it actually weighs. How heavy do you think this book is? It's got to be, it's got to be like, it's got to be at least 10 kilos, surely. Like, it's got to be so, so heavy. Think about some of these coffee table books, which are pretty heavy as they are. Yeah. That's got to be very heavy. You could always, like, put it up on its end and then you could have it as, like, a little sculpture or have it as a little side table and put, but like a little piece of wood on top of the table. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tall table. But yeah, like that's, that's, I mean, standing that up on end, I would think just looking at that, that's got to be like, what's at least six feet. I'm trying to see. It, does it say, it doesn't say, does it, how I, tall it is? It doesn't say in the whole article. Yeah. But I'm like, that's, yeah. So kind of an interesting thing. So if you're into, um, into this kind of thing go check it out i mean twenty one thousand pages that's kind of crazy i mean surely <sighs> they're gonna it's gonna be in a museum one day because yeah it's kind of cool though makes sense yeah, all right liz wrap up our bookish okay. buzz yeah it's only been an hour it's fine <laughs> technically only 40 <laughs> minutes it's fine <laughs> So, uh, to play us out for the Bookish Buzz is another award ceremony, um, or awards announcement, should I say. And this is for Canadian fiction this time. So, we get all the way to Canada um, for the Scotiabank uh, Giller, uh, Giller Prize. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Um, sorry, Canadians <laughs> who are listening. Uh, the long list has been announced, and there's quite a few different ones. I mean, Again, I haven't read any of these. Sorry, um, Canadians. But there's ones like there's one called Hotline. There's one called Pure Color, All the Quiet Places. But yes, the, the uh, long list was announced on September the 27th. And we should be hearing soon about the shortlist. Shortlist. I think, didn't we say that was coming up on? September 27th on Tuesday is the shortlist. Oh, that's the shortlist. Yeah. That yep. was what I meant. Yep. This is being announced on September 27th, and they have the final award ceremony on November 7th. Perfect. So, yeah. All right. Then real quick, New York Times bestseller list. We could have skipped this one this week, um, but a couple interesting things. No. I know. <laughs> um, one is, of course, we use the the combined print and ebook fiction list to, to, to talk about. Number one is back to being where the crawdads sing. Which maybe we need to That's look to see if anything has come about from that murder story. I think I think it might be because um, it came, especially I think in America, it came to digital release. Oh, recently. okay. I've been waiting for it to come to digital release in the UK, and it still hasn't. Because like, you still haven't seen it yet, have you? No. Oh it's my not god. Anymore, and it's not even come to digital yet for us. But because um, <laughs> I thought I thought it was meant to come to digital for us. A few weeks ago, but I think it was just America. So that's probably why you guys have got it back up to number one. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, 
congratulations. Uh-huh. What was it? Was it a good read? And it's been. It's been the the chart say for a stupid amount of time, hasn't it? Now, one hundred and seventy eight weeks. So it just keeps mm-hmm. moving up and down on it. But uh, oh, stop! Just <laughs> stop. Um, it's over three years because again, I have learned that a we that a, that a year has fifty two weeks, not three hundred and sixty five <laughs> weeks. That would be like a really long year. So it, it it's not quite four years. So it's like three and a half years. But that's a long time to be on the list, man. That is a long time. Um, but before I talk about the um, young adult number one book right now, I do have to sadly, Liz, talk about our last little bet we made about Colleen yeah. Hoover because we discussed the fact that she has this – kind of unbridled monopoly of the top five every single week she monopolized it and so we made at least three out of five yep so we made a bet as to when she would lose that place of of monopoly where she would go down to less than three books in the top five just to remind everybody liz said october i said november Unfortunately, we are both wrong because she is currently not in the you know the majority. She only has two out of the top five, um, and she I'm has one week away. You were one, one week, week away. away. Yes. One week so away. if we were on the prices right, you would have won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So um, the top five is rounded out with number two is Vince Flynn, Oath of Loyalty by Kyle Mills. Number three is Fairy Tale by Stephen King, which has been on the mm. – but it was number one last week when it was released. It was number one. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, and then four and five are Verity, and then It Ends With Us are the two. I'm really not surprised about it ends with us because that's the one that's about to get a prequel. It yeah. ends with us in October. So I'm pretty sure, but I'm quite confident to say that by our next show, even though it's only two weeks away, I think we're going to see a monopolize, monopoly again. Oh, absolutely. And, of, um, and her, her book comes out on her new book. It starts with it us. Starts, it? Yeah. It comes out on October 18th, at least in the, in the US, it comes out on October 18th. So we are definitely going to see. Um, a Colleen Hoover monopoly come back with with that. So um, I will say that in the week since our last episode, I still have read zero Colleen Hoover books. <laughs> Me too. I, yeah, I, I, it's not that I have There's anything. Left. Yeah, exactly. It's not <laughs> that I'm like you know boycotting her or you know have anything against her. I just haven't read any yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only, one, the only one I've got as pairs is Verity. That's the only one I have and on I my Kindle. Yeah. Because I, I think I, I got... <laughs> we need to probably buddy read it. Sometime. Yeah, that'll get us through it. You know, and it's funny because I think the only reason I got Verity, because I think at one point it was like free on Kindle. And I'm like, okay, download. Um, so, like I said, I'll read it. I have no problems. I have no problems with her. Um but then our young young adult hardcover uh, or hardback book that's coming in at number one right now is uh, Stephanie Garber's The uh, Ballad of Never After. So this is book number two of her little duology that came after the Carnival series. So 
And I know. Yeah, I've been, I've, it has had a lot of press, to be fair. So I'm not surprised that it's number one because it's all over Bookstagram and all over YouTube. Mm-hmm. So where, out of curiosity, where is One of Us is Lying this week? One of Us is Lying. Well, the, the last... Um, no, like number the the other book that's kind of been topping that hardcover adult book is Long Live the Pumpkin Queen. I've been very surprised that it's lasted as long as it has. It was number one when it came out. It's been number one. It was number one last week. It's number two this week. It's been on the list and in the top five for the last seven weeks. I'm like I'm kind of intrigued by it. But is I will. By? Is that by a famous author? It's by um, Shay Earnshaw. Not a famous <laughs> Never heard of her. Um, but yeah. Okay. So it's basically um, Sally, the new queen of Halloween Town, must save her town from a sleeping curse is the quick Ooh. little synopsis of it. Um, okay. So One of Us is Lying has actually dropped down further than I've ever seen it. It is number seven. Wow. Yeah. So it has been on the list for 242 weeks. Now, that, my friend, is over four years. In case you were wondering. Almost five. Yeah. That's Almost great. five. That's just mental. Absolutely mental. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for an excessively long start of our show with the bookish buzz. But, you know, there's a lot to talk about. Um, so big news month. Right. Uh, and come on. Everyone likes listening to us talk anyway, so it's all right. Um, Actually. Exactly. So, all right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back with what you're reading. And welcome back. Okay. So we, we kind of talked in the break and Liz is already laughing at me. So I'm going to let her start because she's like, okay, I'll start so you can just ramble. Thanks, Liz. I appreciate you understanding my, my, my little issues. All right. So Liz, what have you been reading? Okay. So August was a bit of a slow month for me reading. Um, I read a few books, including the one that Holly's going to be speaking about. And after that, it was kind of, I got a bit of a book hangover. Um, the books I read afterwards, it just didn't measure up until I got Babel on my birthday. Um, or Babel, we don't, I don't know exactly how it's pronounced these days. Um, but that's by RF Kwang. Um, that actually came out on my birthday, which is pretty cool. So I bought it on that day and I read it and it was absolutely amazing. If you're, Basically, it's about this Chinese boy who is um, taken from his home in China uh, by this this old professor who teaches at um, Oxford University. And he teaches languages. He teaches translation. And so he's taken back to England and is trained in translations and and languages such as Greek and Latin. Um, basically in preparation to attend Oxford to join the, the Translation Society. And so it's all about this um, this kid's life growing up in Oxford. Um, obviously, it's back in the 1800s, so getting a bit of kind of the racism in there, um, especially as the other person who's also te- uh, learning at Oxford University is, um, is black. So he gets it a lot worse with the whole racism angle. And then we have the sexism angle as well, because we have a female student there and the, the females aren't allowed in like the libraries on their own without the male um, 
accompanying them. But one thing I really loved about this book is we found out so much about things like the etymology of words, the the progression and the advance of languages, how they were either dying or how they've been kind of advancing over the years. Um, basically, the reason they've been doing the translations is from what they call silverworking. So these silver bars, which they inscribe with two different words, which have similar meanings, but not quite the same meaning, are transcribed into the bar and they help different things work. So you could put in like um, it, things like it, it runs the trains, it keeps buildings um, upright, but it's all about the power of language. And obviously being an ex-English um, student, ex-journalism student, I love learning about language and about etymology and all about those kinds of things. So it's really fascinating to hear about it. And you've got like little fun facts like stagecoach. Did you know the origin of stagecoach? Do you know why a stagecoach is called a stagecoach? Why is it called a stagecoach? So obviously the coach is kind of obvious because yeah. it's a coach, but it's because the coach journeys would be done in stages because oh. it was horses. It's horse drawn, so they had to do it in stages to help them to let the horses rest. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like all sorts of little things. Um, what there's crazy things like, for example, the word uh, for crazy or like the translated word for crazy originally comes from the word uterus. <laughs> oh, that's almost fitting. <laughs> like I can uh, see the connection yeah, yeah. there. It was, it was really fa- like such a fascinating book. And I would, if you're into your language or, or kind of into learning about etymology and things like that, it definitely would recommend. Um, it was completely a five star for me. And the ending was just superb. Obviously, I won't go into detail, but yeah, the ending was was shocking and it was so, so well done. And you basically see pretty much the whole of his life, um, quite a large portion of his life. You see him grow up, um, you see him progress and to kind of change. Um, so, yeah, that is Babel and love, love, loved it. <laughs> wow. Awesome. I would say it's kind of one that's been on my radar. I just don't know if I... Mm. Uh, it, if if and when I'll get to it depends it's just it just if no new books came out like if nobody released the new book for like you know a couple months and would let me get it caught up on all the books that are either on my tb you know tbr list or on my radar it would be great but the issue is <laughs> exactly and all these new books come out and all these new books get added to my list and then you have this list that you'll never ever get through so I did think of you. I reckon that you'd like it because obviously you were an English teacher. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine that you like kind of that, that sort of thing, the whole etymology. And I do. But I'm reading about it. But on the other side, I think because I live that world, mm. it's not necessarily like my top pick of a book to read, um, which is funny because I know I would love the book if I read it. <laughs> It's oh yeah no definitely I, I think the best bit is the fact it was set in Oxford University during the 1800s so you had such a sort of a magical setting yeah and I guess yeah. part of it too is I'm I'm not a, like okay I'll just be honest I'm not a big fan of period books like I just I I don't I don't particularly care for historical fiction yeah. I don't like particularly like you know. Um, those time period and I think when I was looking at that book initially um, I think that was one of the biggest things that I was like um I 
don't know because because of the time period. Yeah. Um, because it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's not, I don't think it really feels too much like historical fiction because you do have that sense of fantasy in it because of mm-hmm. the, the silver bars kind of almost working the magic through language. So that makes it a little bit less historical oh, that's and good. more fantasy, I guess. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it was, a, it is quite a big book, but yeah, I would definitely recommend it to, to anyone. It's really, really good reading. It's really immersive because they do a great job of kind of setting the scene and you get to see, uh, read about the different characters. You get um, a few page chapters in between where you actually hear the backstory of some of the main character's friends who you kind of meet along the way Um, because he studies with four other people from different areas like Paris, um, India, England. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) All right. I'll keep it on my list. (laughs) I'll get to it eventually. Um, Okay. So I've read a couple books. Um, I've read The Final Gambit, which is, you know, the conclusion of the Inheritance Games trilogy. Uh, I read some other ones that I can't even think of right now because my whole – and honestly, I finished Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle uh, Zevin earlier this week probably like Monday-ish is when I think I finished it. Started a new book and honestly, I haven't picked a book up in the last three days. Part of it's because I've been really busy with work and family, but part of it is like I am still in this massive hangover from Tomorrow Times 3. And I just, when I wrote my review, I was just like, I I don't, like, and I think I told you, I don't remember feeling such passion towards a book or towards characters since I read The House on the Cerulean Sea. Yeah. Um, because it was the same thing. I just, those characters just burrowed into my soul and they still haven't left. And then reading Tomorrow, yeah. Tomorrow, and Tomorrow, those characters, they did the same same thing and I don't know if part of it is because it's it is life it is a just a pure honest view of what life can be like the the good the bad Mm -hmm. the ugly the traumatic the the horrible but it's also that gen z generation like you know, um, so basically, if you've never heard of this book and you're listening to this, it means you like books. And so you're living under a rock if you really haven't heard of this book. Um, so it's a new, it's a fairly new release and it takes place in the world of video games, but not in the sense of like um, Ready Player One where it's immersive into like into a video game. This is really about the friendship between Sadie and Sam um, from the time they're about 11 and 12 all the way through their adulthood as they're, they bond over the Oregon Trail um, as kids in a children's hospital through creating their own successful video game company where they design and sell video games into their adulthood. Um there's so so many smart choices that this author made making making this book. It's Sadie and Sam 
I mean, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. They never get together. They never become lovers. And I think had they, it would have, I really think, changed the complete dynamic of the book had mm-hmm. they actually become lovers. But it really follows their lives separately and together as their lives come together and then they part and they come together and it it shows that you can be super, super close with someone and then never see them, talk to them for many years and come back together as if no time has passed and then and then separate again and come back and separate and come back and being there for the ups and downs of life and where it's sort of chronological there are moments where you you get a little glimpse of a past. Like mm-hmm. there will be a present event that connects to something in the past and we get a little bit more clarity on that. Um, but, oh, my God, like the feels, it's the yeah. references, the allusions to things. Yeah. And I think that's what it was like because – I, I, I could feel my own life because I'm like, oh, my God, I played the Oregon Trail, you know, in, <laughs> when I was little in elementary school, you know, when I was 11. I, you know, I played Donkey Kong. That was like one of the biggest, you know, arcade games and, and Miss Pac-Man and um, all these things that are referenced all the way up into like when they were talking about, you know, the stupid farming games like Farmville, when far- <laughs> you know, so all of these things you're like, oh, oh, my gosh, like, you know, I understand this but also the pain of things that happen in life you know life isn't isn't easy and sometimes fiction because it's fiction will present life in you know uh, a simplistic way but here we have Sam and Sadie who you know there's there's disability involved there is mental health involved there's controversy you know there's as they go through the course of decades of their life, like things are mentioned that I'm like, you know, there was a moment where it was 2001 in the book approaching September 11th. And I, I, I remember reading, I'm like, I wonder if she is going to make reference to the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Um, because all of these allusions to things that happened in the world, she was making. Um, <clears throat> and she did. And so... Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And she taught, and like, and, and how society was and decisions that companies and people made about what to do. And like, they're like, do we release our, our new video game? And, and, you know, the, the cloud that is hanging over us right now. Um, but oh my God, like, I cannot, uh, this, this book was just, it was perfection. It really, I don't know how else to describe it. You don't have to know a lot about video games to understand mm-hmm. and love this book. Um, you know, there's, you know, um, Marx is a secondary character. I, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to spoil it. But oh my God, I was so, so upset. I was like, but. It, it was just, it, it was just, but it's real life. It's what, it, those are the things that we deal with today in our society. Um, you know, you know, you know, if you watch the news for five minutes here in the United States, we have a big issue with that. And, um, it's just, ugh, stop me from rambling anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I get, Gabrielle has a real way of, 
making you feel the character's pain, but also making them making you feel their highs, their lows, their their achievements, their fa- failures. It really felt that you were on that journey with them, and that you were viewing this not as a reader, but as an actual character um, within the book. And I absolutely, yeah, I was the same as you. Afterwards, I, I found it really hard to actually really enjoy a book for a while because. I was so hung up on this book. It was just such a, a stunning read. And to the point where you get, you actually physically get really annoyed at some of the stuff that Sam and Sadie do because mm-hmm. they can be quite selfish at times. Some of their decisions, you're just like, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Why did you say that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I, I cried so many times and I got angry so many times. Um, and the writing was just absolutely superb. And <sighs> I think the, fl- the flashbacks, some of the, some of the flashbacks were like some of the best sections because uh-huh. you really got an insight into Sam's pain and what he went through uh-huh. um, and how how they became friends, basically. Um, and that was really tough to, re- to, to read about. Um, but I, it was an absolutely amazing read. And it's strange, though, because, I mean, it was when I first heard about it, it was kind of promoted to me as a romance. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a romance. Not at all. Yes, there, there are romances in it. You do have mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. but it's not a romance. It no. definitely is not a romance. Definitely not um, a romance. I'd say it's similar to um, sort of Donna Tartt's work. I don't know if you've ever read of hers. Like, um, she's written Secret History and... Uh, I can't remember the names, but it's more, but it's more of a fun kind of version of that because her, she does very serious um, kind of social observation fiction. So I'd say this is more of a fun social observation, if that makes sense. It's more about oh, there's definitely a lot of social social yeah. issues that are, are are you know raised in it, and and it is so where it's 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 a little bit more lighthearted. There is yeah. still some serious, serious social oh, yeah. undertones, but she does it. Like you said, her, her writing is magical. And for her to be able to take some of these hard hitting, mm-hmm. multiple hard hitting social, you know, issues and injustices, um, into a book that is fun. It's, it, it's a fun book to read. It's, I, I loved learning about the video games like Ichigo. Like, I'm like, I want to play Ichigo. And I really, oh my God. So I still want to play Ichigo. Yeah. It sounds so fun. I want to play all their, all their games. Like the, um, the one with the pipes, the one with the, 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 um, the factory one. Oh, Solution? Oh. Her very first one that she yes. made in, while she was in school. So I know. Or in like, you know, the, the Emily, the Emily drop, like the Dickinson where you have to like, all her words are falling oh, and you have to like, one. yes, yes. I'm like, and oh my course, God. The, um, of course the, um, the wild west one, uh, pioneers, pioneers. you know, and that's funny because oh. that, so the book is broken into 10 sections, like 10 parts. And then most of the parts each have little chapters in them. Pioneers was one of the few that oh. only, that didn't have any chapters. It was just one long part. And I remember starting it and I was like, what has happened? Like, it's like changed to completely. Yeah, work. the style changed, yeah. the writing changed, <laughs> everything changed. I'm like, did she oh, just like nice. give her computer to someone else and say, "Hey, write this random chapter for me, and then give me the, you know, and then give it back to me"? But then, as you read and as you go through, you're like, 
holy crap. And then it's just like you get to the end of that section. You just got to put the book down for a minute and be like, yeah. what literally just happened? Yeah. And then no, so, that and it's funny because you were talking about how the, the selfishness of the characters. And it's like, how did you say that? But then it's moments like that with Pioneer where you're like the selflessness, the like the love that you can have for someone that is not an like a, a romantic love, yeah. like the love that the these these two people have for each other as friends, in some it is more powerful than the love I've read in other books where people are intimate together. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Because I mean, we see it develop from children all the way to to older adults and the way it develops and the way that as you say they're away for years and years apart from each other and they get back together and I mean depending on which stage of the the (laughs) years that they were in sometimes they get straight back to being close again yeah (laughs) um no yeah I, I completely agree I mean their connection was it was sort of connection that you just can't break it was such a strong bond and I think you're right I think Although, of course, we wanted it. We wanted that romance because there was so much toing and froing. And mm-hmm. I think everyone deep down wanted that. But yeah, I think it would have, it would have changed the book. It would have changed the dynamics. So. And it would it never was, have worked if she, if no. she stayed true to who her characters are, it would, yeah. even if they got together, it would never have worked. No. It wouldn't have worked. Um, cause even in the blurb it says, yes, it is a love story. Oh, it is a love story, but not one you've read before. See, so that promotion's right. But a lot of people do describe it as a romance, but it's definitely, just to let you guys know, it's definitely not a romance, but no. you have to read the book. You yeah. Have to if you haven't read it. Yeah. It's definitely not a romance, but it's, it's, there, there is love. There's definitely love. That's why I said there's, there, love, love. there's not, like, like you said, yes, there is some romance between certain, certain people in the book, yeah. but that's not the focal point of the book. And it's very minimal, but it is love. It is a love story. It is just yeah. like I wish that's how it had been betrayed is that this is a love yeah. story, but not one you've read before, because that's how I. All right. So, well, apparently we, again, had some minor technical difficulties. You know, that's par for the course if you've listened to any of our episodes, because we're both kind of, well, Liz is more competent. I will give her credit <laughs> than I am. Um so I get so excited and move my hands around a lot when I talk and I, I hit my headphones and then I muted myself and Liz can't hear me and I had no idea there was an issue. So honestly, I have no idea what the last thing I said was. Um, and Liz is herself muted so she can cough and laugh at me. So I appreciate that. Um, okay. There you go. So bottom line is read tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. You will not be disappointed and you will love it. On that note, Liz, tell us some books that are about to be released. Okay. We have a few this month. Um, Pretty much mostly fantasy, actually, which is quite exciting because obviously it is one of our favorite genres. Um, The first one is the most exciting and that we've been talking about for months now, ever since it was released. And that is a graphic novel uh, by the name of Demon in the Woods. And that's by Lee Bardugo. So this is part of the Grishaverse, uh, Grishaverse. Um, and this is about the Darkling story. It's a pre- prequel, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. about the Darkling before any of the stories that we've read so far. 
Um, so really, really excited about this one. I can't wait for this one to come out. Um, this comes out both in the US and the UK on September 27th. So that's very exciting. Can't um, wait for that one. Ah, oh, so excited. We need, we need more Grisha verse. We oh. have one since Rule of Wolves and that came out, what, a year ago, year and a half ago? Oh yeah, it's been a while now. It's been too long. They need, mm-hmm. she needs to like, to get, come on, just get it sorted, Lee, come on. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that we've got another one coming out on the same day on 27th of September. Um, all of these are UK and US states for once. It wow. all actually measures up the same, which is amazing. Uh, so the next one is Kingdom of the Beard by Carrie Maniscalco. This is part of the trilogy, which you may have heard of before, um, all starting with Kingdom of the. So that's the next one in the series. Uh, we've also got Foul Lady Fortune by Chloe Gong. Uh, that also comes out on 27th. So it's got a busy, busy day for releases. Yeah. Um, she wrote, um, These Violent Delights. And then just so that we've got a, a bit of magic and a bit of, of Christmas, um, we have Just Like Magic by Sarah Hogel and that comes out on the 4th of October. Yeah, that one's going to be fun because it's like, you know, kicking off the holiday reading season, but recognizing that's October and we need a little witchy magic. So, um, I think that'll be a fun one. I'm excited about all of them. I probably need to uh, read The Kingdom of the Wicked uh, and start that series. I haven't read any of those yet. Yeah, I've got the first one, but I have never read it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I haven't got the second one, though. This is yeah. the third, I think, isn't it? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So so we have a lot of good books coming up, so I'm, I'm excited about October. Yeah. October is always a fun month for book for book reading. Um, it's... I don't read a lot of like thriller. Yeah, I don't read a lot of like thriller books, but I I like a good horror book. And I think the reason I don't read a lot is they don't they don't scare me. I want a book that scares me. Like, and they're really hard to find one that is really truly creepy and scary. So, um, I mean, Stephen King does it quite a bit. Though. Ah, but Stephen King intimidates me. Like, I love his books <laughs> or his movies. Like, I'll watch his movies. And we were just talking about um, Into the Tall Grass. Um, which was a novella he wrote that they turned into a movie in 2019. I watched that and that's creepy. But when it comes, to, it, it just, I, I struggle. However, everyone, whenever I'm, I ask people, I get um, stolen tongues is the, the most common recommendation I get for a book that's truly creepy and scary. So I'm reading a book right now and it will be my next book I read. So I'll be, you know, well into October. Stolen Tongues. Stolen tongue. So, um, it's a creepy cover. So I'm hoping it's a creepy book. I've, I've been. Oh, is that, is, is it that what? the one that we were discussing? Mm-hmm. Is that the second one we're discussing? Oh, yeah. yeah. That does sound pretty creepy, actually. Yeah. So it was, uh, we had, um, we're doing our next Speaking Literally book club in two weeks and we're doing just just like home by sarah gailey but our other option was stolen tongues so i'm like i'm still gonna read it uh because it's it's supposed to be really creepy and i'm i'm really really looking forward to something that creeps me out so and it's short as well so it's easy to read oh perfect even better <laughs> there's okay. another one Do you know another one that i've been recommended recently called womb w-o-o-m oh and that's a super super short one too i just saw that 100 something pages yeah i was just at barnes and noble um kind of like our version of waterstones for you um the other day and it's i saw it and i'm like oh that's such a tiny tiny book and then i'm like (laughs) are they still going to charge me like 28 dollars for like this 
tiny little book like they would for a huge hardback book, but I didn't see its price. So I wasn't buying anything. I just was, I I was just, I was perusing. I'm trying not to spend any money right now. We're going on a little vacation, a little holiday away next weekend. So I'm trying to be frugal so I can, you know, spend money on really bad, crappy food and, and, and stuff while I'm away out of town so yeah see I was the opposite so obviously because my birthday was about four weeks ago now so I bought a lot of books that day yeah, <laughs> I you like, should I a lot of books that day as well so yeah. I have like a big stack of books and I do have to, I have to get Demon in the Woods soon and I have to get Final Gambit so it's gonna just keep getting bigger I'm gonna try and cut down in November maybe <laughs> I mean, October, if I find a spooky book, then I'm not going to say October because it's spooky book season and I don't know. Okay, but then November is like in the midst of the fall and what if you find a really good like like fall autumn based book and then you have to get it and then December, you know that it's – No, because you have all like the Hallmark based books books that, you know, we've got to read. And then before you know it, it's January. That's the problem with, with running a podcast. Is you can't really have a book ban because we need to stay on top of these books. That's right. To our listeners. Yes. You are so correct. We cannot let our three listeners down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have more than three listeners. Maybe four. I don't know. <laughs> No, so we need to keep up with these books. So right. we're doing this for you guys. Yes, it's it's a sacrifice we are are willing to accept and to make on your behalf. So with that said, there's a lot of new books coming up. Um, so it's it's one of my favorite seasons that we're leading into with books because we're leading into like the creepy season, the holiday season. I love that. Just like I love when we move into the summer and we move into all the summer books. Um, <laughs> great times of year okay so we are going to take our uh short break and then we will be back and you know we probably could end our podcast here it's been long enough but we promised to talk about retellings so we will be back in a minute and we're going to dive into um some little conversation and some banter about some of our favorite retellings we'll be right back All right, welcome back. So uh, the focus of the show was supposed to be retellings. I think we kind of focused on everything else leading up to this point, but that's okay. That's normal. That's normal for us, yeah. It's just part of the show. Um, so with retellings, there's really so there's so many right now. I feel like there's even more like within the last couple of years than we've seen before. I don't know if it's maybe just because oh, I've been yeah, paying yeah. more attention, but um, – what what are some that retellings that have really stuck out to you recently? We'll start there. I mean, I think you're completely right. I think there are a lot more retellings recently, um, especially series of retellings. So rather than just the standalones, um, obviously from our list, Akatar is one that really stands out. Um, Curse So Dark and Lonely, because of the fact that I remember you spoke about it, mm-hmm. and I've seen it a lot in the shops. Uh, Marissa Mayer's work, she does a loads of, of different ones. Um, she does ones about like King Midas and Alice in Wonderland and so many different um, different kind of fairy tales, such fairy tales and mythology. Um, ones that I personally read, I mean, 
I've, I've read uh, I've read Hagseed um, by Margaret Atwood, which I really enjoyed. That's one thing I have seen a very slow, a slower increase on other Shakespearean returns. Mm, yeah, I'd I'd quite like to see more, to be honest, because I think fairy tale retellings it's getting to the point where they're just getting too overdone. Well, and you think about two of the books that you mentioned, um, you know, Court of Thorns and Roses and A Curse So Dark, so Dark and Lonely. Those are both Beauty and the Beast mm. retellings, and and I really am getting to a point where I feel that Beauty and Beast is one of the most common retellings that we see, but that means it's getting to the point where it's a little overdone. And I'd love to see some retellings of things that haven't been so popular. Like I also read the book Hunted, which is another Beauty and the Beast, um, which it it was, it's a standalone. It's, it's, it's very unique. It's, it's, a little bit different from like the fantasy angle that you get with um, Thorns and Roses and um, the Curse books, but it was but it's still a Beauty and the Beast retelling. It's you know yeah. it still deals with that the monster person and the 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 prisoner in the the home and castle or whatever aspect. But yeah, I think ones like Beauty and the Beast has almost become like a trope. Yes. Evil, fluff, fairy, hairy man um, captures woman. Woman ends up falling in love with with her, her kidnapper. Mm-hmm. It's become a very. It's become more of a kind of weird trope, yeah. and it kind of feels that some of the other um, the other retellings are almost like a trope in themselves because of the fact that although they are retellings, for example, Romeo and Juliet retellings. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's not really Romeo and Juliet retelling. It's just a story about two people in love. It's about forbidden love. It's about two people in love who shouldn't be in love because their pet, their families are at war with it, with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always mean that it'll end in suicide or spoiler alert. Sorry for, <laughs> for anybody who's <laughs> never read Romeo and Juliet. Which I'm sure there's a <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like. If we really look at the the root of all these retellings, especially when it comes to the romance ones, it is just a trope. It is just that Romeo and Juliet is a partic- is a particularly famous novel that was made famous because of the of the story. Um, if you think of things like West Side Story, oh yeah, that was based on Romeo and Juliet, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Because yep. it was the whole falling in love, each parent. But like each family side was at war with each other. So I think it's interesting how it is starting to evolve a bit more. But, yeah, there are definitely certain – there are certain ones that are have, are being overdone too much. So then I'm almost beginning to wonder, like, based on what you said, it really made me think that maybe we shouldn't be even calling them retellings. Because, they're like you said, for a lot of them, it's, it's brand-new plots. It's brand-new characters. Like mm. different things are happening, so they're not necessarily retelling the same tale. It's more mm. that they're inspired by, you know, like when you watch a movie and you're like inspired by the true story of the da 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 da. But it's a completely yeah. different fictional story based on or inspired by X, Y, and Z. It's like it. It seems like a lot of them are very much more like that, especially the ones we were just talking about with the Beauty and the Beast, with like a curse so so dark and lonely. I got the feeling of Beauty and the Beast from the very beginning, 
But it's not like the characters were called Belle and he was a big hairy monster and, you know, but there was a curse. She was imprisoned to break the curse and, and all of this stuff. A Court of Thorns and Roses for me was, was even more farther away from Beauty yeah, and the and Beast. He's Fae for a start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's um, a Fae Lord. <laughs> so I, so it was just like that. I did not get any Beauty and the Beast feelings from that book when I read it. But then there's books like the Splintered series by A.G. Howard, which is a retelling of Alice in Wonderland. Now, okay. in that book, the main character, her name is Alyssa, but her great-great-grandmother was Alice, who was the Alice who went yeah. to Wonderland. So in this series, she's, she's a teenager and things crazy things are happening, and she ends up kind of following in her, her and there's issues with her mom and people think her mom is crazy because of this Alice in Wonderland stuff. But Alyssa being a teenager and figuring things out and being this kind of book that it is, she ends up in Wonderland. It's a completely different story, but it's set in a very in a very similar world you still have the queen of hearts mm-hmm. you still have the cheshire cat you still have the mad hatter but the mad hatter himself is a new character called morpheus and there's it's it's like that almost felt like more of a retelling even though the story itself was completely different but it's because it legitimately took place in yeah. in some aspects in the actual world of wonderland like she had her well, that- yeah, her real life world, but then we see what we know and love from Wonderland. Yeah, well, that's exactly the same as the one that I'm currently reading at the moment, which is um, Heartless by Marissa Mayer. So again, it's it's set in the Alice in Wonderland world, but instead of being set in the future, it's set before Alice in Wonderland, when the Queen of Hearts was just she was the daughter of a Marquess um, of a Lord, basically. And and it was all about her life and about the king trying to propose to her to become the Queen of Hearts. So it's still set in the world. You have the Cheshire Cat, you have the White Rabbit, you have the Mad Hatter. Um, so you've got all of the, the characters you love. So, and yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, that is closer to a retelling than, than ones that just have the same story. Because I'm sure if we go back further those stories weren't the original ones. So Romeo and Juliet, it probably wasn't the original. There was probably others before that. Um, the what? How I mean, dare you say that about William Shakespeare? <laughs> Sorry, Will. <laughs> um, Beauty and the Beast, I'm sure there was probably some, something similar from mythology or from, from previous lore. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, yeah, it's just a case, isn't it, that these stories are so renowned. They're so, they've such, had such a profound impact on the literature world that those are the ones that the books are based on and not other books with a similar storyline kind of thing yeah and and you know you're right like we you know and there's pockets of these of these types of retellings like you have you know you said we're seeing more shakespearean retellings with romeo and juliet and the hag seed and i 
I want to say that I've heard of the Hexseed, but it must have been like a fleeting, a fleeting moment because I haven't read it yet. And then knowing that it's by Margaret Atwood, I'm assuming like you've read it and you said it, it was, was pretty good. good yeah. But the Tempest was one of my favorite Shakespearean plays. Oh. And I, loved, I loved it. That and Midsummer yeah. Night's Dream are my two favorite oh, Shakespearean nice. plays. Um, we studied Tempest at college, and I actually got to see it um, at Stratford upon Avon, so oh in Shakespeare country. And it gets even better. The um, Prospero was played by Patrick Stewart. <gasps> no way. The Patrick Stewart. The yeah, Patrick was, Stewart. Oh my god! It was yeah. I will never forget that. It was <sighs> absolutely amazing. And yeah, that's, that's definitely one of my favorite Shakespeare oh, Shakespeare plays. Those were those were the two that um, I taught the most because we always taught okay. Shakespeare every year to our students, and uh, the Tempest and the Midsummer Night's Dream were the two that I I tried the most to teach because I mean yeah. I've taught Julius Caesar. Sorry, it's the most boring play ever. <laughs> um, I've taught Macbeth, which I enjoyed Macbeth, um, but. I just I just enjoy his comedies more than his tragedies. So um, I'm definitely going to add Hagseed. Um, yeah, it was really good. I mean, if you've liked M- Margaret Atwood, you'll definitely like it because I've read quite a few of hers, and she's always she's always such good writing. Yeah. She always kind of makes things unique, um, and that had a really strong kind of Tempest vibe to it. That's awesome! I can't wait to but, read that one. Out. I mean, the, the other retellings which we've seen a lot more frequent and a lot more common these days are the Greek mythologies. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So we've got things like Circe, we've got Ariadne, we've got Song of Achilles. Um, those are just in the last like four years. Um, and then you've got like, I don't know if you've heard of them, the more kind of spicier Greek mythologies like Neon Gods, um, which I've uh, which I've heard about recently. So it's interesting how we're getting more Greek mythologies. And they are definitely ones that I've got on my list. I think I've got Ariadne and I've got uh Cersei and also I've got Lore which I know you've read I've read um, Lore and let's see with Lore it's like it's it's so again that's kind of interesting when it comes to a retelling like I would not mm. necessarily consider Lore as a retelling because mm. Lore is it, it it's 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 an interesting story um but it's basically the gods in modern world like the gods have come, like you have, you know, these, okay. these people that have come to this modern world and because of lineage and bloodlines, it's how the main girl gets involved um, because she's been trying to hide her bloodline. She doesn't, you know, doesn't really know exactly what's yeah. happening. So it's not like any one mythological story being retold it's just like it's inspired by the concept of mythology it's bringing back multiple multiple gods multiple mythological beings into this new story versus something like like a cersei exactly like our favorite in the author ct ortega who brings in yes gods and goddesses into his world yeah see so i wouldn't consider his work <laughs> retellings um no. by any means and but speaking of him that's i'm reading i'm reading sadly i'm reading three books right now um but his new his new one um warfare of the gods oh, book number next, four yeah. is i need to read that i um uh, that's one of the ones that i'm reading right now not super far into it but um okay but you know it's pretty good. Picks, I like how I'm his books. To that. Yeah, his mm-hmm. books pick right up where they left off. So yeah, I was gonna say book three set it up really well mm-hmm. for like an exciting kind of 
penultimate book. Yeah. So it definitely book one and book two like led and then we plateaued at book three and now I can't wait to have these last two books of a series. Big finale. Yeah. Take us home. But that talk about a tangent because his books where they are mythological and he very much inspired by it and he you know he'll talk about his love of mythology um but definitely not a retelling so i guess that's also a piece of this is you know again the inspired by versus a true Mm -hmm. retelling um but then you have but again kind of going back to like the you know, fairy tales, like you have Beauty and the Beast, you have, you know, you don't see a lot with Rumpelstiltskin, but Melissa Meyer had a, a book that hasn't been out all that long, um, Gilded, which is a retelling of that one. Um, you know, we're beginning to see some of those smaller fairy tales and some of those smaller, mm-hmm. less well-known Grimm Brothers, you know, books come out. Like there's there's one, um, there's a retelling of the six the six swans i'd never heard of it before but it's um i'll need to look it up real quick but um yeah so there's like so you're seeing some more like not super well-known stories being retold and i i think that's pretty cool because i think when you pick something up and you're not you don't realize it's a retelling it could then inspire you to kind of go back and read like the original um their original work. No, definitely. And I, mean, I think also, to be honest, I kind of like not knowing is a retelling and either working out of myself or never knowing. <laughs> like Akatar, I mean, I never, I don't know about you, but when I was reading that, I wasn't thinking, this is a beauty and beast retelling. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it until we looked things up for this show, for this particular episode. I And then I thought, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense with the curse and and the, the the hairy main character. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there are there are some really unique ones that are starting to emerge out. Like, for example, the last one I read, um, especially for the show, was an arrow to the moon, and that was um, p- promoted as a Romeo and Ju- Juliet retelling. However, it also was based on a Chinese um, mythology as well um, about uh, basically these two people, two kind of people who fell from the moon and then uh they had to find their way back to each other in order to fix the moon and fix humanity and the world and the whole point was that they were doomed to never be together because one of them would go back to the moon and the other one would circle the moon so the man would circle the moon so it's kind of their fate was to never be in in the same sort of place as each other but for the man to be always circling the the moon circling her which is mean, how it should be the men should circle circle the woman absolutely <laughs> but that was quite an interesting one that was kind of like an interesting hybrid retelling huh um that is really that's really really interesting um you know and and another one like and i agree because uh, a recent book that has come out that has been it was very big on um Instagram right when it was coming out was Daisy Darker. Do you remember seeing Daisy Darker? I have to, I don't know who who wrote it off the top of my head. I don't remember Daisy Darker. Um, but uh, what I heard is all right. So Daisy Darker is by um, Daisy Darker. Oh, so uh, yeah, Alice, Alice Feeney. Yeah, Alice Feeney. So it's her newest, <laughs> her newest book. Um, 
didn't really know a lot about it. And then somebody commented on something that I had posted on Instagram about Daisy Darker being a retelling of Agatha Christie's and then there was none. I loved that book. Um, And so, and it kind of like, that's the flip of, you know, reading a book, finding out it was a retelling and then kind of going back and looking at the original. I had no idea Daisy Darker was kind of any in any way connected to that story but i loved that story and where daisy darker wasn't necessarily on my radar to read i'm now intrigued by it and now i'm like well maybe i'm going to add that to my list to read because i loved and then there were none so much that i want to see how this you know kind of encapsulates the ideas that agatha christie had because i mean I would think Agatha Christie would be a hard, hard author to take a book and retell. 100%, yeah, I know, definitely. I mean, are they promoting it as a retelling or inspired by it? Um, I don't know because I had never heard that until someone commented that it because I had asked, like, what are some of your favorite retellings? And uh, I'm, I'm looking at my Instagram right now. And so... Um, because if it's a retelling, what I'm thinking is that if you knew, if you know the original book, I'm wondering whether it would ruin it for you because you know of the how fact it ends. that you potentially know the ending. Yeah, but so. you might know the ending, but you might not know who. So you know, because and then and then That's there true. were none. You know, it's kind of like a a, a kind of like locked. A, a locked room yeah. almost kind of situation and people start dying and murder has to be one of them. I mean, that that's just the essence of the story, yeah. but the real true mystery comes from who is it and like what that, what oh, that yeah. backstory. So, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Um, it does, does sound really interesting. I mean, I've, I've started reading Agatha Christie. Um, I think I've read the first three books so far and they were all really, really good. So I think that's sort of one I think I would read the Agatha Christie first before I read the retelling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, sorry, Alice, but you're not going to be Agatha Christie. No, no, Agatha Christie is a genius. Exactly. 100%. You know, and it's, and it's funny too, because it's like, then there's, there's stories, you know, that you don't really hear a lot of, retellings or inspired by books um but for some reason i feel like all of a sudden i'm hearing a lot so like peter pan i for for so long yeah i had like Peter, peter pan was never ever really on the radar and now i feel like every time i turn around there's a peter pan retelling and i admit that's one of the other three books i'm reading right now is a peter pan retelling and and it's 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 pretty cool i i mean again i'm also not super far into it uh, because i was consumed with tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow but it, it it's definitely it's definitely interesting and and, and that is yeah. more of a retelling because there is a character named peter there is a character named wendy Tinkerbell is in there as a little fairy flying around with her little powers and her little pixie dust. So it very much is here are the characters, here's the concept, and we're going to kind of just tweak it and make it new and original, which is kind of cool when you think about what you want to get out of a retelling. Are they putting it in like a separate setting or a separate time period? Um, so 
Um, sort of. So you have, like, the one I'm reading right now, you still have Wendy. She was still an orphan. Um, but she has just turned of age, and so she's no longer in the orphanage. So you meet her the day on her birthday when she's like, oh, my God, what do I do? I'm going to try to get on a boat um, and try to get, like, you know. But things happen. She meets Peter. Yeah. Peter's not the, the, the most um, honest trustworthy character um so some things happen in her interaction with peter and it ends up leading her into um this forest this cursed forest that you know kind of has like rumors about people go in and never come out blah 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 um so she ends up going into this forest and there's like creatures and um monsters but she kind of gets reunited with peter and he takes her to his where he lives, which is in essence inside of a tree, like he lives inside a tree and then he, he has to leave and then we meet Tinkerbell. So it, 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 it is and it isn't. Okay. So, yeah. um, you know, and the wood is like the, the forest is called like, you know, it's called like Neverland or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the forest is called, but, um, so yeah, there's definitely some, some, some very similar aspects, not just to characters, but to just like the, the personalities of the characters and mm -hmm. and that okay sounds quite interesting mm -hmm. but yeah no right now peter pan i don't know why it seems that things come in like kind of when it comes to disney or fairy tales they seem to come in big groups mm -hmm. at one time so at the moment it's peter pan and i mean even like looking at films obviously not books but films we've got two pinocchios coming out this year yeah one come out on netflix which was um, amazing, by the way. If you need to watch it, if you haven't seen it, I Tom Hanks seen. as Geppetto. You can't. <laughs> Tom Hanks <laughs> is like one of the best actors. Um, which was yeah, that was uh, Tim Burton's Pinocchio. Was no, that was Disney. The next one I think is Tim Burton's Pinocchio. So that means it's going to probably ruin our childhood because Tim Burton likes to kind of kill our childhood. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. if you remember, like Jungle Book. Uh, Dun he did he did Dumbo and just completely killed our childhood then. <laughs> So that's coming out this year. But, yeah, so it's interesting how, like, the fairy tales and the Disney's kind of come out in, in sets at, at once. Because mm -hmm. um, I know this brand new one, Peter Pan one, came out a few weeks ago called Darling, I think it is. Oh, I heard, yep, I heard about that one. All over Instagram. Yep. Um, so I wonder what's going to be next. I don't know. That is the question. But then you have ones, like, um, that have – retellings that have stood the test of time. So – um, I don't know if this is a popular book over there um, for like school reading, but Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. So that is a Cinderella retelling and it is a super, super common book for kids to read in elementary school. So when they're when they're younger, okay. so probably like. Is that based on the is that the one that's because uh, it's a Disney film, isn't it called Ella Enchanted? Mm -hmm. Yep. So is that based on the book? Yep, which is based on Cinderella. Oh. Yeah, so it's a very common book for, for kids to read, like, you know, when they're um, probably, like, between eight and nine It's a, is a good age for that. But it's it's one that has been out for years, years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, you'd probably be fine, you know, hard to find um, somebody who hasn't read it or hasn't been exposed yeah. to Ella Enchanted. And it's 
and it's Cinderella. And I don't know if it's because Cinderella is more of one of those, again, stories that just, I don't know. There's just something about Cinderella. Like I think about Beauty and the Beast. Like I like the story of Beauty and the Beast better than I like the story of Cinderella. Yeah. But I feel that there's something about Cinderella that makes it timeless, that makes it where people aren't necessarily going to get tired of it like they would by Beauty and the Beast. And I don't know. Maybe that's because Beauty and the Beast just has so many retellings, and with Cinderella, you don't have a tremendous amount. I mean, yes, you have Cinder, which is a super, super popular book. You have Mm. Ella Enchanted. You have some other ones, but they've been spread out. So... I don't know. I just I just feel like Cinderella retellings aren't as annoying to me right now as I feel like Beauty and the Beast retellings are. I think if you if you really narrow it down, it's kind of like Cinderella is the Prince Charming complex. Yeah. <laughs> and Beauty and the Beast is <laughs> Kind of enemies to lovers. <laughs> yeah, and see, you would think that I would love that because I I, I love enemies, enemies to lovers <laughs> way more than I like friends to lovers. I hate friends to lovers, and you know, but but I think yeah, I, but I think there is that ideal, that stereotypical ideal of the prince charming of someone who yeah. is like almost like that out of your league kind of person who swoops in to someone who is so beneath them. Um, and is like pulled up into like this magical world of, cause I mean, you know, how many kids growing up had that fantasy is, you know, I want to find my Prince Charming. I want to find my Prince Charming. And what's interesting is like, I feel like that, that mentality of like my youth is definitely mm. evolved, and I don't know necessarily that that's that's the mentality of our youth in today's society. Um, you know, it's 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 not. I can't deny it. I would rather be Belle just for that library. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And I think that's why I like. You know, it's part of why I like Belle more than Cinderella is because. I love Belle's character because Belle's character is more feisty. She's more, (laughs) she, you know, she fights for herself a little bit more and you don't really necessarily get to see that all the time from Cinderella because, you know, she she lives in an oppressive environment, you know, and she doesn't, not that it would have helped her had she like stood up to her, you know, step, stepsisters or whatever. They probably just would have pummeled her. But I like the feistiness and the fact that Belle stands up for herself. And that's what you see in, like, the retellings, too. Um, now, I would be a bad person to, to to address Court of Thorns and Roses because I very much get annoyed by Feyre. She drives me crazy. She is not one of my favorite characters. But with A Curse So Dark and Lonely... I enjoy the main character a little bit more. What I like about the main character in A Curse is it also brings in um, the fact that she has a disability. And, you know, I always I always like the representation yeah. of characters who do what they do and overcome their disability. Cool. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Maybe we should just go back to teaching them teaching kids the original fairy tales, you know, Grimm's 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Where the little mermaid actually dies and becomes one with the foam of the sea. Uh, crush yeah, our little... Get the, get the heels chopped off and the toes chopped off so it fits in the slipper. Yes, because you know <laughs> that society is not all Prince Charmings. You know, it is Exactly, a and it teaches world. you not to be vain. Yes! Not to be vain, not to, to take things for granted and all sorts of good lessons there. Absolutely. Like I, the Grimm brothers were onto something. They really were. They could see where we were going with our world. Um, okay, so you know a, a lot that we could you know talk about. There's just so many retellings and inspired buys, and you know, and then you have the books where it's like the retelling where you're looking at um, like the story aspect, like like we've been talking about, versus telling the story from a different person's point of view. So we talked about this before when the show started. So we have books like Twilight, where Midnight Sun came out from, a, it's the same story. It's telling the exact same story Twilight told, mm -hmm. but from the perspective of a different character in the book. We saw the same thing with Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, we see the same exact story, but from Christian Gray's perspective, I know probably not the best example, but it is an example. Maybe not the like best. A little book. movement when you're talking, you're like, yeah. <laughs> like a, as a dramatic kind of movement when when you're talking about Fifty Shades. Somebody no. likes Fifty Shades a bit too much. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, it, it's so ironic because I read the first two Fifty Shades of Grey while I was on maternity leave with my daughter because <laughs> I know isn't that ironic because. My husband asked some people at work, some women he worked with, hey, you know, my wife is, you know, she's going to be on maternity leave. She likes to read. I'd like to get her some books to read while she's at home with the baby. What are your suggestions? Nice. So this woman suggested Fifty Shades of Grey. He doesn't, he, he had no idea. So he went to the store, bought it brought it home to me and of course I had heard about it and I'm like oh okay <laughs> and so yeah so um uh don't I don't know for sure if he actually really knows even to this day what the premise of those books are but um I thoroughly enjoyed it, it, they weren't great books writing wasn't fantastic or anything but mm -mm. man i enjoyed reading these mindless books while i was on maternity leave it was like it was definitely a great yeah. maternity leave series to read i can imagine yeah i think i read the first one and then i was like yeah i'm not continuing the series <laughs> <laughs> the yep. writing is just oh no yeah it's nice. it, it, it it's bad writing and again the characters you're just like in what world would you actually do this and allow this and be okay with this? And it's just <laughs> to each their own, Liz, to each their own. Yeah. Who are we to judge? But Jamie Dornan was hot. So, I mean, <laughs> True. but I think they could still have done better <laughs> in the casting. Yeah. Maybe not for Mr. Gray, but for, for the female. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Oh, well. Um, okay, so um, I, our show has probably been like, it's probably like pushing four hours now. So let's move on to um, either or. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This is, of course, our speed round of 10 situations where we have to um, quickly, 
and we fail at that every single time. Pick one or the other based on our topic. So obviously our topic is retellings. So Liz, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, number one. Greek or Nordic mythology? Greek mythology. Absolutely Greek. Number two, fairy tale retelling or Shakespearean retelling? Shakespearean retelling. Okay, Shakespearean just because I want to read more. I know I'm not supposed to say why. Okay, three, magical, mystical woods or enchanted castle? Magical mystical woods. Me too. Definitely the woods. Um, stick to the story or take liberties? Stick to the story. I like taking some liberties. Small ones. Um, gender swap retelling or standard retelling? Standard retelling. Standard retelling. Um, Court of Thorns and Roses or Cinder? Actar. Okay. Here's the thing. I've never read Cinder, but you all know how I feel about the other one. So I'm going to go with Cinder, even though I've never read it. Um, All over again. (laughs) Peter Pan retelling or an Alice in Wonderland retelling? Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Beauty and the Beast retelling or a Rapunzel retelling? Rapunzel. I'm going to go with Rapunzel, too. I think we all know why, because we have already been there. Number nine, Wizard of Oz or Cinderella? Ooh, Wizard of Oz. I would go with the Wizard of Oz as well. We're very similar today. Um, <laughs> and number similar. I know. I, uh, Romeo and Juliet or The Tempest? Tempest. Tempest. No. 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that was a really easy, really quick, very um, uneventful retelling or not retelling. It was a re- retelling. We retold our either or story of the last 17 episodes we've done. But we took some liberties. You mean and we to had saying to... the same answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. I think we're getting a little giddy. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, okay, Liz, tell us where we can find you on social media. Uh, you can find me at uh, Lizzie's Little Book Nook. Sorry, I forgot where I was then. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about getting giddy. I know. Um, yeah, Lizzie's Little Book Nook on Instagram, and you can find my website, which is Lizzie's Little Book Nook. and that's Lizzie's with an I E. How about you, Helly? I am on Instagram at azdesertbookworm, and you can find my website at tinyurl.com slash desertbookshelf. And we are excited to not take quite as long of a break as we did between our last two episodes. We will be back in two weeks. Our next episode will drop on October 10th with our second book club episode. So mm-hmm. we're super excited. And just to remind everybody, Liz, what book will we be discussing? We will be discussing Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. Um, this, it came up quite recently, didn't it? It's quite a recent release. Mm-hmm. Um from a few months ago so mm-hmm. it sounds really good and holly very kindly gifted it to me my birthday i did uh, very cool cover so very excited to start that two weeks to read it now so i will be starting it very soon yeah <laughs> so yeah all right very exciting. so what a great episode super fun we kind of had to sh- cut our our retelling segment a little shorter than we probably had planned it to be but that's all right um, it wasn't cut that much there was it let's face it okay you're right well okay <laughs> you're right we're, st- we're still at almost 40 minutes of the segment too so if you have stuck with us this long 
we love you and thank you and you're our favorite people in the world um and we hope you continue to keep coming back and joining the fun with us um so until october 10th we hope that you read some good books and we will be with you soon have a wonderful reading time bye